Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody's doing well? Well, welcome to church and Merry Christmas. Okay, raise your hand if I was the first one to say Merry Christmas to you. Yeah! I love it. Well, Merry Christmas. Thanksgiving is over. I love it, but it is over. Come on. It's way too close. Way too close to Christmas. I, I love me some Christmas and celebrating Christmas and getting ready for Christmas. And Christmas, because we're celebrating Jesus, and, and we'll be having services here that Sunday morning. We'll have our two, just our, our normal service times. They're going to be a little bit different, but it's Christmas Eve, we'll be having services right here that Sunday morning. That's going to be great. And then December 10, uh, we are having a special offering. What does that look like? Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to pray. Um, pray and ask God. Say, God, would you have me give towards this? And if he tells you yes, then give. And if he doesn't, then don't. And then I say, give towards. What are we giving towards? Um, honestly, we want to be ready. Uh, the time to prepare is before, not when something pops up. And so if a building pops up, we'd like to buy it. If the right land pops up, we would like to buy it. Um, in order to do that, it takes money. So pray. And if you're like, you know, I'd like us to be ready so that when that thing, that right thing pops up, um, we, we are ready, uh, then give. Again, but I'm not asking you to give. I'm asking you to pray. And whatever God lays on your heart, do that. All right. Well, today, you're not going to believe it. But today, we are going to finish. I know, I know, I know. Some of your eyes are like, no, say it ain't so. It is. It is. We're going to finish Ephesians today, our Made Known series. Um, you didn't think it could be done, but it can. It can be done. Um, but really, I want to kind of start off uh, with a story. So when I graduated college, moving, moving back up to Michigan, I had a little Toyota Celica and a little hatchback. And I could fit a lot in that thing. So I just threw a whole bunch of stuff in, in, in this car and headed back towards Michigan from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, somewhere around St. Louis, I don't remember exactly, um, my car starts making noise. And I'm just like... That isn't right. And then, and then the more I drive, the more I'm like, it's getting worse. And it's like this, I'm like, that's not really good. So I'm, I'm cruising along. I'm like, I've got, it's a Sunday. I've got everything I own in my car. I do not have a phone. Okay. I think there probably was cell phones, but they, they were out of my price range. I didn't have one. So I'm just cruising along on a Sunday. And I'm like, this is not good. So I'm cruising. And it's making some noise. Well, Brian Cruzel, who's he's around here somewhere doing something, okay, but he, he and I were kind of traveling together, so I, we pull off, and I'm like, Brian, something's not right. And I'm like, well, Brian, you know more about cars than I do. I'm like, the noise is coming from up here. So he goes up to my front driver's tire, and he grabs it, and he just wiggles it back and forth, and he goes, do, 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 do. He's like, well, there's your problem. He's like, your wheel bearing's bad. I'm like, well... We're like four or 500 miles from home. Can I drive home? He's like, you're going to have to. And I'm like, okay. So I get back in and we just start cruising back home. Well, the faster I go, the worse the noise gets. So I'm like, I got to stay about 60 mile an hour. But I, I, as, as we're going, I realize that when I turn, when I go around a corner, the car doesn't make the same noise. And I'm like, I've got hundreds of miles to drive. And I'm like, I, 
So I'm sitting there driving, and I'm like, well, I, if it's making the noise, it's making friction, and friction makes heat. I really don't want my car to just, like, melt. So what I'm going to do is if I, if I turn just a little bit, I, the noise gets a little bit of a reprieve. So, so that means that it's probably not making, it's not going to, like, melt as fast. And again, I have hundreds of miles to go. So about St. Louis... I'm like, okay, here we go. I decide I'm going to travel about 60 miles an hour, and what I need to do is just this. Back and forth in my lane, because otherwise that would be bad, right? So I spend the next eight hours doing this, just driving back and forth. Yes, like, did anybody say anything? Yes, yes. People were screaming at me out their windows. I mean, we're on a four-lane highway. I'm in the far right lane, the slow lane, going slow, never leaving my lane. And I've got people passing me on the far shoulder because they think I'm drunk or whatever. One car that did that passed me on the shoulder. I come around a corner, and there was a police officer that had somebody pulled over, and somebody that just passes me whips in behind the police officer, jumps out of his car, and starts pointing at me as I go by. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm gonna, they're going to get me. I'm like, not really doing anything, but they're going to get me. So I'm, I just, I just kind of keep going. And, and honestly, about 30 minutes go by after that happened, and I'm like, well, they're, they're going to leave me be. Well, I'm cruising along. Again, I am not speeding. I'm not leaving my lane, but I'm just doing this, which really, really gets annoying, like really fast. I'm doing this for hours. Well, finally, I'm, I'm cruising along, and I pass a cop, and the cop pulls out behind me, and I'm like, okay. And I pass another cop, and that cop pulls out, and then another cop pulls out, and then fireworks go off behind me. I'm just lights. Just, there's like seven or eight cop cars pull me over. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So they pull me over and they're like, what's going on? And I explain it to them. And I mean, honestly, the guy comes up to my window and, and he, I've already rolled down my window. I've turned off my car. My little dome light is on and I've got my hands on my steering wheel. And, and the cop comes up to the car and he goes like this, sticks his head in the car and goes, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, and they, they ask what's going on, and I'm like, it's my wheel bearing, and I'm trying to do this. And, and they're like, can we search your car? Everything I own is in this car. And I'm like, no, no, you cannot take anything out. You can look, but you can't search. And, and, and so they're like, okay. So they look, and they don't take anything out. And I talk to a cop, and the cop's like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, because my wheel bearing, and he's like, well, why would people tell us that you're driving, you know, over 100 miles an hour? And he's, got, he's like, we've gotten so many calls, and they say that you're, you're passing people on the shoulder, and you're swerving. I'm like, probably because they think I'm drunk and want to get me off the road. And they're like, okay, fine. And so they let me go. So I drive all the way back to Michigan. I get pulled over. I don't get a ticket. It actually happens. Anyways, so then I didn't get a ticket. We get all the way back home. I get to Brian's house the next day. And I'm like, Brian, we got to fix this. So I got this wheel bearing, and Brian knows a little bit more about cars. So we get over there, and we jack up the front of the car, and he grabs, he's, he's trying to find the right socket for the axle nut. If you don't know, the axle nut is really what holds the entire wheel onto the axle. It's just one, one nut. And so Brian puts, one, put, puts a socket on the axle nut, and then he just spins it. And the axle nut just like spins by hand. And he goes, did you loosen this? And I go, no. And he's like, I may have found your problem. And he just wrenches the thing down and goes, take it for a drive. 
And I'm standing there, I'm like, no. No. So I get in the car, I take it for a drive, problem solved. Here's the thing. I had all the tools I needed in the car with me. The entire time, I got pulled over, I was weaving back and forth, got, got waved at with that middle finger more times than any time in my, I had people screaming and yelling at me, it took me hours longer to get home all, for nothing. I had the tools I needed with me in the car and I did not use them. And I tell that entire story because I believe that is a parallel to many Christians they're living their life, and they have the tools to fix the problems, but they don't realize it. And that's what we're going to get into right now as we jump into Ephesians chapter 6. Hosea, Hosea 4, 6 says this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's the first part of that verse. They're destroyed because of what they don't know. I could have solved my problem. The entire time, had I just pulled over, put that on there, and just cranked it down just a little bit. But I did not do it. I feel destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And what we're going to talk about today, many, 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 a lot, people you know, probably nobody in this room, but, but people that you know do not understand, or even worse, they know wrong. Like, like they believe something that's not true. And they're going through life just doing this, thinking this is what I have to do to get by. But the truth is that God's given them what they need to solve it. So let's go ahead. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Again, I told you we're going to finish this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Whose mighty power? Everybody say his. his. It's his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And understand this, you cannot, this extraordinary power, this mighty power, you cannot buy this power. You cannot find this power by searching it. No, this is his mighty power and it comes from him and is found in him. Verse 11, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Everybody say all. Okay, how many strategies? All. All. You guys got this. Come on. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, his dark, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We're in a battle. We are in a battle. He says, look, it's all the strategies of the devil he says that what, what we are battling, it's not flesh and blood. It's not red versus blue. It's not a political party. There is, no, there is no one that you will elect. There's no one that I can elect. There is no government official that will make everything right. They won't. The world will not be made right until Jesus comes back. There's some options that are better than others. Please engage in politics and voting. But the solution is not found there. And the battle that we're fighting the real battle that we're fighting, it's not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. 1 Corinthians 15.7, excuse me, 15.57, talking about how we fight this battle. Understand this. How do we fight this battle? We already said it's through his power. Corinthians says this, but thank God 
who gives us victory over sin death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a victory through Jesus Christ. It's not through what you did. It's not through what you can do. It's through Jesus. See, every one of us, our theology somewhere needs to include the fact that the devil is real. And that you have an enemy, the Bible says, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. He's looking to devour. But he's seeking whom he can devour. He he wants to, but you would have to let him. All of us, we need to have a place in our theology where we realize that the devil is real. Because if we do not stop him, he will destroy you. He's a bit like Jono. Okay, Jono's, Jono's my son. When Jono was little, when Jono was little, um, like I, I'm a dad, I love wrestling with my kids. It's fun. The older they get, the less I like it, okay, um, because they just destroy me. Uh, one gets this arm, the other one gets this arm, and then another one comes and like jumps on my face, okay? It's like, I don't know about this so much. When, when, especially when they were little, Jono would do this. His, his, one of, I don't know why he would do this, but he would like stand on the coffee table, and when he would jump down, he would jump onto his knees, onto the floor. And he's like, yay, jump off things and land on his knees. But that also includes jumping off things and landing on me knees first. So we'd be wrestling, and he's like, ha, ah, ha, and one kid's got this arm, and one kid's got this arm, and another, and then there's Jono, and he'd climb on something, and he's all cute up there, and then he goes to jump on you, and he's 20 pounds, but 20 pounds of knees in your face, it hurts. And I'm like, if I let him, he's going to kill me. I will have, like, broken bones and bloody noses and black eyes if I let him. Well, understand this. We're talking about our spiritual enemy, the devil, and the only way he, he's going to defeat you is if you let him. Because John was 20 pounds, I can catch him and yay, this is fun. And yes, we did teach him to land on his feet and to jump onto his feet. You're like, does he still do that? No. No, I don't know where he got it, where it came from, but, but follow me, get back to this. The correlation is if I let him, he will destroy me. And that is what it is with the devil. That is what it is with the devil. It's 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, stay alert, watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But we're not going to let him do that. We're not going to let him do that. Now, I do not believe that there's a demon behind every single rock. But we have to have room in our theology that understands that there is a devil and he wants to attack us. Without fail, every time I go to speak, every time, Every, every time that I am preparing to speak on marriage without fail. I've been a pastor uh, basically the entire time that we've been married. It took some time off that we weren't when we were doing some other things, preparing to do this, and God was resituating some stuff for us. But other than that, I, I, I've been a pastor. And every time that we go to talk about marriage or I'm about to talk on marriage, I'm prepping to talk on marriage, I know and I have learned that our marriage will be under attack. Like, I know. I, I, I just know. Why? Because it's spiritual. I understand that. And I know it's like, okay, in three months we're going to be talking about marriage, so uh, I'm starting to listen to some stuff and read some things new and just praying like, God, okay, what, what, what should change here and some things? What's, what's happening? And I know our marriage is going to be under attack. Why? Because there are, we, we have a devil. 
He's real. Some, now, there's not a demon around every single rock, but it needs to be in our theology that the devil is real and that we're going to fight him. Now, understand this. He's already defeated because we stand in his power. But we have to have this idea that he is a part. Um, <laughs> one time, Becca, Becca and I were arguing, and I didn't understand why she didn't think I was right. Like, honestly. And you're like, is that, is that the joke? Yeah, it's a joke, but it's true, too. So, so I'm like, I just don't understand. And, I, and she was getting upset. And I'm like, I just, I just don't get it. And I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I've said everything I know to say, and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to do everything I know to do. So we're sitting there. And so I just reach over, and I'm like, I lay my hands on her. I'm like, I just rebuke you, devil. You leave in Jesus' name. And, and she, like, moves my hand. She looks at me. She goes, did you just cast the devil out of me? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, why? I'm like, because I did everything I know to do. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do everything I know to do. And if this has anything to do with it, we're going to deal with it. And she's like, that's not it. That's not it. And I'm like, okay, well, if it was, I would have taken care of it, you know? I mean, it, if it was, it wouldn't be in anymore. So, yeah, it can be awkward. But we have to have room that we understand that there is a devil, that we, that we are in a battle, and that we do need to fight him, that we are going to have to fight him. We're going to need to do what it is that we need to do. When, when the kids were younger, uh, we had just, just have kids. I was talking with one of my friends, and I'm like, hey, um, I said, I don't know. I said, but Becca, I said, she's, she's, she's amazing. I love everything about her. I said, but her heart just really isn't turned towards the family. I don't, I don't feel that it is. I'm like, what do I do? We weren't planning on having kids. I'm a young husband. I'm like, I, 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 what, what do I do? And my friend looks over at me as we're driving down the road, and he goes, oh, that's easy. He goes, we pray. I'm like, okay. And he's like, and, and you're the head of your household? He's like, so honestly, he's like, if she's submitted to you as the head and you pray, you have spiritual authority that no other man does. He's like, so you be the one and you pray for her and you pray that her heart and you watch what God does. And I'm like, okay. So I pray. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, God, I thank you for her and her heart and that you're turning toward and you're giving her what she needs to be and, and all of this. And I'm like, thank you. And, and we say amen. And a switch got flipped in her. An absolute switch that is still flipped to this day of her just, her desires and her heart shifting more towards home and more towards making this great and the kid, the girls, what it was at the time was just the girls and, and then we keep adding more kids to it and it's great. What needed to happen was Spiritual. It wasn't me being like, hey, I want you to do this and don't do this. It wasn't me doing that. It was me praying for her. And, and what I'm not saying is that you have, because none of us have control over someone else. You don't have that. But husbands, when you pray for your wives and your wives are submitted to you as unto the Lord and you're like, you know, we're going to do this, you do have spiritual authority in your home that nobody else has. But it's only because... The two become one, 
And so when husbands and wives pray for each other and they're submitted one to another, yes, you can move some things together that you cannot apart. And you have authority in each other's lives that nobody else has. You can't cause anybody else to do anything that they don't want to do. I didn't make her do something when I prayed. But there is a, that we have an enemy. It is the devil. There is a spirit world. It is real. And we need to engage it. We can't ignore it. We do not want to ignore it. So how do we stand in this? This is what we do. This is what we do. Ephesians chapter 6. There's a battle going on, and he's like, look, this is what you need to know. I'm going to help you stand in this battle, realize it's real, and then walk in victory. Here we go. Verse 13, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after every battle, you will be standing firm. Now, that's a promise, man. Come on. He's not like some battles. He's like every battle. He's like, I'm going to give you the answer. Every battle. Every battle. And here's the thing. It's every battle because it's not one battle. We don't just defeat the devil one time and he leave him like, there, it's good. Done. Did that. He won't be back. Oh, no. He'll be back. He will be back. In fact, in Luke, Luke chapter 4, we see how Jesus was tempted. And remember this. What Jesus did... Jesus did as a man. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. So when we look at Jesus and you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and, and, and you look at this and you're like, okay, what did Jesus do? He did everything that he did as a man, showing you and I what we can do through God as a man. Because he was fully God and fully man. He was an example to you and I. But here's what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 13. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So you're going to defeat the devil, and then he's going to come back. You're going to forgive that person. You're like, no, I forgave, and I prayed for them. And then you're going to see him, and you're like, did I really forgive him? I mean, I know I did, but I just... You're going to hear great news that's happening to them, and you're like, mm, I'm happy for him. Because I'm choosing to be... It, it, it's going to happen over and over. You're going to defeat those thoughts and that mindset and that negativity and where you're mentioned. You're like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then it's going to come back again. So it's every battle. It's not just one battle. It's not just one battle. So here we go. Verse 14. So stand. This is how we stand. Stand your guard, putting on the belt of truth. Understand this. It is the truth that sets you free, and truth is not subjective. It's not your truth, their truth. It's the truth will set you free. It is the truth that sets us free. John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's a belt of truth that holds up your pants. Don't want to be caught pantless. You need the truth. It is the truth and it's God's truth. It's God's word. God's word is true. This is what we build our life on and it works. It works. The next thing he says that you're going to need is and the body armor of God's righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. It's you and I being justified, being made just as if I'd never done this. It's his righteousness. It's not ours, because here's the deal. Have, anybody in here ever make a mistake? Anybody here ever get it wrong? Anybody here say, I won't do that again, and the next one did the thing that they said they wouldn't do, and they did it again? We're going to make mistakes, but thank goodness, it's not our righteousness, it's his. When Jesus died on the cross, that's what he did. So it's like, look, it's God's righteousness. 
It's God's righteousness. Proverbs 24, 16 says it like this. It says, for though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Why are you righteous? Is it because you don't make any mistakes? No, it's because Jesus didn't. And because Jesus paid all. We walk in that righteousness. When the devil comes in and tries to beat you down with, remember how you did this and how you didn't do this and how you said you would do this, but you didn't do this. And remember how you weren't going to do this and how you did that again. And, and here you are and look at all of this. And you're like, well, yeah. But I'm forgiven. And his mercies are new every morning. We confess and he forgives and God, I forgive. He forgives so I'm there and I'm just going to keep it. It's his righteousness. It's his righteousness. Then he says, what else are we going to do? Verse 15, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be, so that you will be fully prepared. He's like, look, it's the peace that comes from the good news. And the good news is that Jesus did it. That you can't do it right. He's like, look, that, that is the peace. That is the peace that he wants to leave for you and me. Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, this peace that he's talking about, this peace isn't the, the early morning, like before anybody else gets up. Everything just happens to be quiet, and you're sitting there sipping your latte. That's not, that's, that might be peaceful, but that's not the peace it's talking about. This peace isn't talking about you being out on the lake, and everything's great, and there's no wind, and it's perfectly calm, and the lake's glass. No, that's not the peace that it's talking that's, about. That's peaceful, but that's not the peace that it's talking about. The peace he's talking about here says, it's beyond anything we can understand, because it's not grounded in our surroundings. It comes from our Lord and King. It's peace. When you're watching your house burn to the ground, I watched my sister. We're standing out there just watching the whole thing just go down and fire people all over the place. And some of them are running around. There's a group of them just standing here. And you're like, why are you just standing there? But anyways, they're like 15 just standing there. I'm sitting there with Steph, and she's like, we're all out. Everybody's okay. She's like, I'm ready to go. She's like, let's go to sleep. It can burn. It's peace beyond the circumstance. It's peace when other people, oh, the economy's this and the job is this and the market, and what's going to happen over here? And you're like, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's not a band-aid that I'm just putting on. That's a life that I live. I'm honoring God with the way that I live and his promises apply to his way his blessing is on his way. I'm following his way. So it's his responsibility. Here I go. It's peace beyond the circumstance. It's peace when the doctor comes in and says, well, this is the prognosis and this is what we found and this is this. And you're like, okay. Now we know exactly what to pray for. Great. You, you give us your advice, but I'm going to pray. We're going to resist the devil and he is going to flee. It's not ignoring the facts. It's realizing that we have a fact-changing God. And they're like, okay, that's the peace that it's talking about. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The shield of faith. There's a lot about faith, but as we're hitting this, the part of faith that I really want to bring up today is this. There is 
Let me say it this way. Um, we just had Thanksgiving. A lot of really great food. So you know, I don't know what. I wake up Thanksgiving morning and I look at breakfast and I'm like, I don't really want a whole lot. Because I'm going to save room. Because there's this great stuff coming. Faith is trusting that God is going to bring and going to do what he said he would do. And I'm not tempted to fall for all the other junk when I trust that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. I'm not going to fall into lust because I know how much better love is, and so I'm going to wait because love is so much better than lust. Lust isn't even a temptation when I realize all of what love is. It's, it's not even a temptation. Drugs and alcohol versus being filled with the Spirit and the peace that passes on. I don't want that temporary high and low, the thing that you come back down on. I, I, I don't need that. It's trusting. It's faith that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. I don't want success. Success might look good, but significance in the kingdom is so much better. I'm not going to fall for that. I'm not going to waste all of my time and energy towards something that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's, 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 it loses its appeal. Because I know there's so much greater, so much, what's coming is so much better. It's so much better. It's not falling for everything that's shiny. Because we have faith that God is going to do what he said he would do. We might not see it quite yet, but God, you're going to do it. It's going to happen. And he says, and put on salvation as your helmet. Put on salvation as your helmet. You know, Salvation is the key part of this entire thing. And yet, I love what he says. Like, he's like, just put it on. It's a helmet that you put it on. Because honestly, what Jesus did accomplished it all. And for you and I to experience salvation, all we have to do is put it on. Is just accept what Jesus did. And be like, God, I want yours. And we get it all. It's like, just, just, just put it on. It's the helmet of salvation. You want to know how to stand and how to fight the spiritual battles that we have. And then verse Verse 17, again, as it continues, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the sword is the offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, when it says the Word of God, that word is literally, uh, it's translated the rhema. And here's what that means. Very specifically, it means the spoken word. As it's talking about that we're in a battle, And it gives all of these kind of like, hey, this is how you need to be dressed and ready to fight this battle. It talks about a Roman officer's armor and what he would wear. Every one of those weapons, every one of those weapons are defensive except this one. The sword is the offensive weapon. And the sword is the word of God, but literally it is the spoken word of God. You can think of it this way. That your Bible in your pocket, your Bible in your mind, the verses that you know are like a sword in a sheath. It's just in there. But when you speak the word of God, literally the rhema is the spoken word of God. It's when we speak. It's when we don't just say, devil leave, but we say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. Because at the name of Jesus, the Bible says, every knee will bow. When we speak the word of God, that we're unsheathing that sword and we're using it. It's the spoken word of God. 
It is the spoken word of God that we stand strong. We stand strong, not in our own power, but in his. It's Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all we ask and think, according to the power that is at work in you. It's not your power. It's his power that's at work in you. James 4.7 says this, So humble yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we just said all of this stuff about that it's, it's, it's Jesus and it's what Jesus did. Yep. And that, that it's his, according to his power at work. Yep. But who does, the devil re, who does the devil flee from? You. The devil flees from you. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. I talked about a trip back from Tulsa and how frustrating it was to realize I had everything I needed in the car. I could have just gone out there and tightened it. As a believer, God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. The devil will resist, the devil, excuse me, will flee when you resist him. It says, resist the devil and you will flee. God has given you what you need to resist the devil so that he will flee. To look and be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to accept depression. I'm going to do what I know to do in the natural, but I'm going to do what I know to do in the spiritual as well. I'm not going to just accept this sickness. I'm not just going to accept everything that the world throws at me. I'm not just going to accept that my kids are going to walk away from God. I'm not going to accept that my finances are screwed and this is me. No, God, I think that you're going to make a way. God, show me, give me ideas. I'm a hunter, in case you didn't know. Matthew's bows. I shoot one because I like the bow. But they have an amazing story. And the amazing story is that the owner is lying in bed. He's a born-again, spirit-filled, word-believing, faith-talking Christian. And God gives him a vision. Like, this is what you need to build. God gave him the idea. It was the first parallel limb bows. God gave him the idea. He says, I got up, got out of bed, and started, had to just start writing everything down. Writing, this goes here, and this is how this is going to work, and this goes here, and then I'm going to do this, and the cam's going to be this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then we're going to switch this, and then we're going to do this. God gave him that idea. You and I, so often what we do is we look at our situation and we want to work our way out from it. Well, if I make this decision, then this is where it's going to bring me. And God's like, forget it. Trust me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He's like, I've already fought the battle for you. You've got it. It's my power at work in you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why? Because you're a word-believing, faith-talking, armor-wearing child of the king and you represent God everywhere that you go because you have his spirit alive in you. You are his representative everywhere that you go. 
And when you realize that, you think, oh my goodness. The prayer is that none of you would go through life in one day, maybe today, maybe in 10 years, and no way, don't let it be when you stand in heaven, but you look back and realize, what God, you gave me all that? I could have stood against, but I didn't. I went through life, I had everything I need, but I didn't use it. I just kind of went through life like this. Because I didn't know any better. Jesus gave you everything you need for life and godliness. The righteousness that you have is not your own, it's his. Stop thinking you're not good enough, because you're not. But he is. Resist the devil and he will flee. Sickness, death, disease, our minds, no, we're not going to do this. God, your word says that you will keep in perfect peace the mind who's steadfast on you. So God, I want your peace in my life. Money can buy stuff, but that's all it can do. It can buy a bed, but not sleep. You've heard this before. It can buy a house, but not a home. You can buy an amusement park ticket, but it can't give you joy. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Know that in Christ, you can do all things. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The devil, the last time he fled from you was the last time you told him to. There's an area of your life that you need him to get out of and you've submitted to God, then resist the devil and he will flee. Why will he flee from you? Because you are a representative of God everywhere you go. When you speak and you speak the promises of God, The devil doesn't just hear you. You know, a police officer stands in the road, points at you, points to the side of the road. Don't ask me how I know. But they just do this. You know what to do. I might be cruising down the road. My car might be thousands of pounds, and I might be able to just run that person right over. But that person is under authority. What that badge represents, the authority that that represents, I know, I'm stopping, I'm doing exactly what he says, exactly what she says. Why? Because they're so powerful? No, but because the authority that's vested in them, and when you speak, it's the same. It's not because of how good or bad you are. The devil might come and be like, well, remember you did this? Remember this? Remember that? And you're like, yeah. But do you remember the cross? Because Jesus paid it all. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Don't go through life thinking, oh no. No, no, Jesus did it. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Stand. Command the devil to get, your hand, get his hands off of your finances. And say, God, give me ideas. Give me favor as I look for jobs, as I open up this new area for my company, as I, as I take this on, as I start this company, as I do this, God, thank you that your word says that you, are, you, you bless me so that I can be a blessing. God, I can't be a blessing yet, so I know I'm not walking in this yet. God, I'm going to, I'm going to seek after you. Fight for your family. Those that are far from God, pray. And don't stop praying continually pray. You can win that battle and every one of them.
We resist the devil when we speak. What Jesus did, we see it. We see it in Luke. The devil came and tempted Jesus, said, hey, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, nope. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him somewhere else and says, hey, look at all these kingdoms. I'll give it all to you. All you have to do is bow down. That thing you want, I'll give it to you. And you don't even have to go to the cross. Jesus looks at him and says, no, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Jesus resisted the devil the same way that you and I do. He knew what God's word has to say. The final temptation, Jesus just looked at him and said, no. The devil said, throw yourself down off of here. And the devil used scripture. The devil said, the Bible says that he'll command his angels concerning you that they will not allow your foot to strike a stone. So throw yourself off here. The angels will catch you. And Jesus looks and says, no, for it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He used scripture. This is why we need to know God's word but not just know it in our heart, not just have it in our fo- on our phones or on our nightstands or coffee tables. But when the devil comes, we speak it. We don't know what to do, so we do everything we know to do. We say, God, I need you. And I take authority in Jesus' name over every demonic spirit. I think the eyes are open, that hearts are soft. God, show me what to do. Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask, and he'll give. So we just say, God, the situation I'm in, I don't know what to do. But God, you do, so show me the way. We do what we need to do. We do what we know to do. And watch how God makes a way where there was no way. That house fire. So my sister wakes up. And she said this, she said, she said I, I woke up and I looked and I could see the orange of the fire on the back deck. She's like, so I got up and I ran, got the kids. The kids are all upstairs. She says, I, I then ran down the stairs. And as I was coming back downstairs, she said, I could hear the, the glass shattering as the fire was entering the house. We all got outside. She said, we turned around. She goes, I went to go back in to get my, my, my purse and keys and that stuff. She goes, I opened up the door in the whole house. I couldn't even get back in. And I'm like, that's amazing. So we go back. Fire's out. And we look at the house. And something in her story doesn't line up. Because her room is kind of off the main part of the house. And where the fire started was on the back deck. And between the back deck and her bed, there's no window, there's no door. All there is, is a brick wall that's still standing. But she looked and she saw through the brick wall. Did the fire jump through the brick wall and light on fire on this side and that's where she saw it? Maybe. I don't know how. It doesn't show that it's burned. Did she look right through it and actually see it? Maybe. I don't know. But we serve a God of miracles. He does them every day. Each and every one of us 
God has given us everything we need to defeat the devil. Don't walk through life letting him beat you down. Use the tools he's given you. Stop, pull over, open up, read God's word. Like, no, I'm going to resist. I'm going to take this today. I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to fight for my company. I'm going to fight to be able to, I'm not going to get lost in chasing after success. I'm going to choose significance and I'm going to build the kingdom. He's given you everything that you need. That salvation is as simple as putting it on, saying, God, I want what you have for me. And at that moment, when we ask, God says, this is what happens. That when we ask for forgiveness, that all the things that we've done wrong, the punishments that we deserve, God immediately puts on Jesus. And instead, the righteousness of Christ, the right standing, is then given to you. It's given to me. And we're made justified. I'll say it again. Made just as if I'd never done it. Something gets dirty, we can wash it, but is it ever as clean as it was? No. But when God does, it is. But it's asking, saying, God, I want what you have for me. And then walking in the fullness of what it is that he's given you and me. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here this morning, you say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Today, I want to. Today, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to put on what he's given me. I want my debt to be paid. I want to walk in the peace that passes understanding. Romans says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. It is you making that decision. It's not you doing enough right, you never will. But if you say, today's the day, I'm gonna accept what he did for me. You can be forgiven and set free. And I'd love the honor of praying with you. If that's you, I want you to be real bold. In just a minute, you're gonna lift your hand. And then we're gonna pray. And right in your seat, God's gonna forgive you. You're going to be made new, and you're going to leave this place knowing exactly where you stand with God and walking in the plan and purpose that God has for you. That's you. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up high. Say, that's me. All the way up. Say, that's me. And today's the day I'm giving my life and my heart to Him. All right, God, we just come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. God, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we do not want to ignore anything that you've done for us. God, the price you paid was so great. And while the gift that you've given is so great, today we choose to seek after you. To not ignore what you've given us. Devil, here we come. We realize that we have victory in you. That if we resist the devil, he flees. So today, God, we declare we're yours and that we will walk in the victory that you have for us. Thank you for all you're doing both in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.